You're listening to audio from City Light South Church. If you'd like to check out more resources and find ways to get involved, go to citylightsouth.org.au. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn open to Psalm 23. Um, it's pretty much right smack in the middle of the Bible if you, if you actually have a paper one. Otherwise, just scroll there on your device. So Psalm 23 is all about God who loves us, not just us as a group, as a body, as a church, but us as individuals, people, you and me with names and stories, you, your, your family, the people that live in your house, the people you work with, the people you live on the same street with, and people all the way on the other side of the world. The, the God of Psalm 23 is a God who cares for you, a God who comforts you, a God who enjoys your company, and a God whose company you were made to enjoy. So uh, that's really all the introduction I can give you for Psalm 23 this morning. We're going to actually do something that we don't normally do here, and we're, we're going to read it out loud together. It's going to be on the screen. It's not particularly long. Now, I'm using the CSB, which I normally do um, here you probably don't know, like the, the translation is slightly different to what you're used to. So you can follow along on the screen. You'll see how we go. All right. So this is Psalm 23 from the CSB. Starting verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. You did very well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth. Thank you that your word brings life and joy and peace and help and correction. You know what we need this morning. You know each of us individually, our situations, our, our anxious thoughts, Help us, meet us exactly where we are with your word that never changes because you never change. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your spirit who lives in us, who moves among us this morning. We need your spirit to shine a light on these words. Just apply them to our hearts that we might change, that we might grow, that we might be encouraged. Just do your work in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. This psalm written by King David. King David was a shepherd. He was born into a shepherding family. He was a shepherd from a young age. And being a shepherd, as you might know, was a tough job. It wasn't a job that anyone would want. Um, it was dangerous. I, I, how many of you know the story of David and Goliath, the giant, right? One of the details I find really interesting in that story is that, you know, David, he is the youngest son in the family, and all of his older brothers are already out 
on the battleground. They're already out there fighting the army. And he, he comes to sort of check in on how his brothers are going and how the battle's going. And, and then he eventually volunteers himself to go and battle head-to-head uh, with the giant. He volunteers to fight the unwinnable fight. But eventually, like he's pleading or sort of negotiating, I guess, with King Saul to let him go and have, and have a go at killing the giant. And, and the thing that he says to King Saul that convinces him that, yes, this is not a terrible idea, is this. Here's what David, he makes this speech, and he says these words. He says, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. In other words, David said, I am a shepherd. I can do this. I protect and I defend. Leave it with me. You mess with one of the shepherd's sheep, you end up dead. That's essentially what David's saying. And he had a reason to be so confident. And his reason was he knew that he was never alone. Not as a shepherd fighting off wild animals and not fighting a giant. Not only was David a shepherd, he had a shepherd who was more powerful than anyone who could come against him. Here's the rest of his speech that he gives to King Saul. He says, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David said, I'm not the rescuer here. God is the rescuer. He is my shepherd, and he is your shepherd. He is the shepherd of his nation, and he's the shepherd of his church. The same Lord that gave David such confidence is the Lord that gives us confidence. The one who loves you and cares for you and protects you and defends you without exception. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. I have what I need. If you know the old translation, I shall not want. I lack nothing. This verse can, uh, the second half of verse one can trip us up because, you know, if it says, you know, I shall not want, I lack nothing, uh, the meaning is the same. Because the Lord is your shepherd, you have access to everything that you need. He, you have access to him, to his care for you, to his provision. And this is where we get tri- tripped up because you, we're sitting here thinking, but wait a minute, there's lots of things I need. How many of you got everything you asked for this Christmas? Anybody? No one. We, we all have things that we need. You wake up, you go to bed, you wake up the next morning, and there's things you need. You might, maybe it's basic things like food and, and water, but more likely it's things like, I, I need help sorting out this relationship that's really difficult, or I need wisdom, or I, you know, I need a, a better job, or I need this, and the list can go on and on. How can we then like join David in saying, I have what I need, and be confident in that. We don't feel that way. The answer has to be something in the, air, uh, in, in the uh, vicinity of, there is something that we need more than the other things that we need that we actually do have. More than we need freedom, more than we need status or approval, more than we need things, 
more than we need the approval of other people. We need God. We need the shepherd. And we need God not way over there, distant up in the heavens. We need him here with us. We need him close by. We need him now. And that's exactly what David means when he says, I have what I need. I have what I need. Because God is not far away. He is close. God is not over there. He's here. God is not, you know, oh, in a minute. You know, like I'm telling my kids who call for me, I'll be there in a minute. When really what I mean is I'm not really prioritizing this right now because I've got other things going on. God isn't that way. God is always present with us. He's our shepherd. According to David, who if you know a little bit about his biography, spent most of his adult life running away from people and like on the run, literally fleeing for his life. And yet he could be hiding out in a cave and that's his home for the, the next week. And he's like, you know, I've got the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. It goes against so much of what the world around us sort of pushes us to think and feel, doesn't it? On this first day of 2023, let's just get back to this basic truth that the Lord is your shepherd. He knows what you need and you have what you need because you have him. Here's what God gives us. According to David, he goes on, verse 2. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his namesake. Food, drink, the breath of life, guidance. If you, any of you like to pray the Lord's Prayer in the morning? What's the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Give us today our daily bread. It's exactly the same thing that David's saying here. God always answers that prayer, doesn't he? Always. No shepherd, no shepherd would let a sheep just wander off and starve to death knowingly. Knowingly. It's his livelihood and his love. Wouldn't do it. And God doesn't do that with us either. Notice in these verses, who is doing the work? Who's doing the work? Who's doing the acting in these verses? Who's getting sweaty? It's not the sheep. It's the shepherd. The shepherd lets me lie down. The shepherd leads me beside the quiet waters. The shepherd renews my life. The shepherd leads me on the right path for his namesake. He lets, he leads, he renews. Why? For his namesake. It's his name on the line. God will never let his name be dragged through the mud. If you don't believe that God is for you, then at least believe that God's for himself and that he will not let his word fail. He won't let his promises fail because his name is on the line. Here's a list of the people God cares for like a shepherd. Jesus spelled this out to his disciples. He cares for people who are tired, people who have a lot going on, people who are burdened, people who are confused, people who lack wisdom, people who have nowhere else to go but to him, people who have no one to listen. Those are the people that he shepherds. Those are the people he cares for. If you dare to follow him, you know what he will give you? Rest. Quiet waters. Green pastures. Rest. This image of rest isn't just in Psalm 23. It's through the whole Bible. It's the image of, of heaven. The image of heaven 
all through the book of Hebrews is an image of rest, finally getting to lie down and enjoy the Sabbath rest that you were destined for. Cast your cares on him in 2023 because, brothers and sisters, he cares for you. He is everything you need. There's one aspect of God's care that he particularly highlights in verse 4 of the psalm, and that is his comfort, his comfort. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, I need to address a little translation issue because you might be thinking, where's the valley of the shadow of death? It disappeared. Um, and the, the reason, it, it disappeared for a good reason. It's a translation thing. Um, the old translation um, kind of put a space in the wrong place probably put it in the wrong place, and so they got Valley of Shadow of Death in the King James. Darkest Valley is a better translation. It's not really that different. It's just that this, it just broadens the application a little bit. This is comfort, not just for someone who's dying or on their deathbed. This is comfort for all of us in any kind of difficulty or suffering that we might be facing at any stage in life. This promise of God's comfort is for you. It's for us. God, when we go through difficulty, he doesn't run away. He's not too busy. He gets close, close enough to hold you, close enough to speak so you can hear words of comfort, words of mercy, words of relief, words of correction that are gentle. He's close enough to pull you out of harm's way. He doesn't outsource that to someone else. Even in your lowest most shameful moment that you can think of, maybe even something that nobody else knows about. God was there, he is there, he will be there to comfort you with truth and love. The valley that David has in mind here, this dark valley he's talking about, it's not necessarily what you might be picturing because we have, you know, hills and valleys here in Australia. Um, the other day I saw a news story out of the Middle East I don't know if any of you have been to Israel, that area of the world. Um, this news story came out of that place. It, in the, the Israel's neighbor, the country of Jordan. Um, there's a very famous tourist attraction in Jordan. It's a place called Petra. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. So Petra is an ancient site um, that where you have all these old like tombs and, and structures, edifices. It's very impressive. They've been carved into the cliff face into these very steep cliff faces. Um, I had the privilege of going there many years ago. One of the coolest things about Petra is how you get there. Because there's a, you know, the tour bus can only get you so far. You have to access this beautiful site. You have to walk through a very narrow valley, one that is known in Arabic as the shaft. Just sounds foreboding. You understand why they filmed Indiana Jones and lots of movies there. Um, so you have to walk through, it's a, the shaft is a kilometer long. And at its narrowest point, the shaft is only three meters wide. So you could stretch out both your arms and you could touch both of the walls of this valley. And so when David is talking about dark valleys, he's talking about valleys like this where the sunlight almost never touches the floor where it's very, very dark. And this is a place back in the, before the days of electricity and mobile telephones. This is a place where bad people would hide out. They would hide out and wait for unsuspecting travelers to come around the bend, and they would attack them. 
or animals would hide out and do the same. One of the most dangerous aspects, the most dangerous things that can happen in a place like the shaft is a flash flood. Petra was actually in the news last week. It was in the news for this very reason. There was a, there was a heavy downpour of rain. It's in the middle of a desert. They get very little rain. And because of that, water, when it comes, it does not soak into the ground. So it just instantly kind of collects and pools and finds its way into these narrow valleys. And so you could go from in this valley, you might not even be raining where you are, but because it's raining a few kilometers away, the water can come and literally wash you away in a matter of minutes. They had to evacuate last week 2,000 people safely from this site. And the reason is five years ago, they waited too late and 20 people were killed. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful place, but it can be a very deadly place. If you're not careful, you don't know the dangers. And so when David here is talking about the valley, the dark valley, the valley of the shadow of death, if you like, the old translation, this is what he has in mind. A place where thieves hide, a place where floods and danger can appear literally out of nowhere. It's a place where you would never want to go alone. But because the Lord is your shepherd... You will never be alone in this place. He would never let one of his sheep just wander off inadvertently into one of these dark valleys alone. He always goes with them. There is no bad guy. There's no wild animal. There's no flood that can overcome the strength of the Lord. No matter what life around you is like, you are safe with him. And that is the comfort. He is the God of all comfort, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, who comforts us in all of our trials, no matter how small you may think they are, no matter how massive and overwhelming you think they are. He comforts us in all of our suffering. And as he comforts us, he teaches us to cling to him in the midst of that comfort, in the midst of that suffering, so that we can let go, finally, of endless worry and anxiety. God cares for you. And he comforts you in all of your suffering. The last two verses of the psalm, verses 5 and 6, he, he shifts the metaphor from the Lord as shepherd to the Lord as host of a dinner party, of a great banquet. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Um, this is something in, you know, we don't do that at our part. I don't think when you have guests over, you pour oil on their head when they walk in the door. But this is something that would have been very common and expected and polite in Middle Eastern culture. Um, the enemies that are here are those that are threatening the vulnerable sheep in the dark valley. And, and, and God decides to set the table not out of the valley, but in it. In the dark valley, that's where he sets the table, in the presence of my enemies. Right here, right now, we are going to celebrate. We're going to feast together right here. And the only reason you can feast in a valley is because God, who is bigger and stronger, is there. And he's hosting the banquet. You just get, and I just get, we just get to sit back and enjoy it. You know, I love living here in Adelaide. Most of you know I grew up in the U.S., there's one thing that I do miss from time to time about um, being in the U.S., and that is I really enjoy good table service in restaurants. Now, sorry, if I'm offending any of you who are in the hospitality space, I've had good table service here. But in the U.S., most restaurants, you go in and you sit down and everything is done for you. 
You know, the bill comes to you. The food comes to you. The menu comes to you. You don't ever have to get up and get in the queue to order anything. You don't even have to use an app on your phone. It's just good table service. And there's a reason for that. Because you also might know this in the U.S., that people who serve tables don't get paid unless you tip them. And so there's an, they have an advantage and incentive to offer very good table service to all of their guests. Um, one other feature that's common in American hospitality is that when you order a beverage, be it coffee or soft drink or other things, um, it is often bottomless, unlimited. So the table server will come and keep refilling it. You don't even have to ask. They just keep pouring it and pouring it and pouring it as much as you could possibly want. And it's a beautiful thing. And yet, that's, what we, that's the image we get here when it says, my cup overflows. It is the Lord. The Lord who created the universe is waiting on you, is keeping your cup full. The Lord, who could be doing any number of things, says, no, this is what I love. I love my sheep. I love my people. And I'm hosting this banquet for you, for them, for his church. The last verse of the psalm brings it all together. Verse 6, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. I'll start with goodness and faithful love. Some of you know it as love and, or goodness and mercy. Um, the words, the Hebrew words here, are usually translated all through the psalms as goodness and steadfast love. So there's, there's just a consistency here. That's why. Um, and, and, and these two attributes are very much tied to the nature of God. This is who God is. This is God's goodness. This is God's faithful love. And yet, because it's a poem, the attributes themselves are personified. So it's not saying that there's this random thing out there, this impersonal force of nature called goodness and faithful love that, are, that is chasing you. No, this is God himself. This is God himself. It's God's goodness. It's God's love. It's God who is pursuing you. It's what he's like. He says, these two things are pursuing me all of my life. It is God who gave you the breath in your lungs. He is pursuing you as long as you have that breath in your lungs and forever. The result of his pursuing is that he says, you will dwell in the house of the Lord. You will be in his presence, in his company that's who, what you were designed to be. You were designed to be in the presence of God, feasting at his table, waited on by him. This uh, image of the house of the Lord is, uh, comes from, it's not about heaven or the afterlife so much as it is about the temple. The temple was the place in um, ancient um, Jewish culture where God's presence was thought and believed to dwell. And it was... Um, People would make pilgrimages to the temple to be in the house of the Lord, but no one actually lived there. Uh, the Levites worked there, but they didn't live there as such. It's only God's presence dwells in the temple. Access to the temple was restricted um, for, for lots of people. You know, different classes, different types of people had different levels of access to the temple, but there was always a space somewhere in the vicinity of the temple where you could come and worship. You could come and pray. It's interesting in the New Testament, one of the only times you see Jesus angry is when the place near the temple that was reserved for foreigners, Gentiles, outsiders, non-Jews to come and pray had been taken over and turned into a market stall. 
That's when Jesus gets angry and he flips all the tables over, kicks the guys out and says, no, this is a place of prayer. This house, this house, the house of the Lord is a house of prayer for all nations. And you've turned it into a den of robbers or you've turned it into a marketplace. He was zealously getting rid of every obstacle that any person could possibly face to be in the company of the king. That's why he was so upset. Who's invited to be in the presence of God? Absolutely everyone. Whether you're Jewish or non-Jewish, religious, non-religious, young, old, male, female, rich, poor, everyone is invited. Everyone is welcome at the table. Not everyone comes, but everyone is invited. Everyone is welcome. Why? Why does God pursue people so unconditionally? If you remember back in verse 3, he says he does it for his name's sake. Every person that he has made in his image is precious. Even the rebels, the indifferent. God pursues everybody. Even though only some people stop running and find their rest in him. David, he knew what it was like to be on the run. He knew what it was like to be homeless, to not have a place to lie down. Jealous King Saul had pursued him like a bounty hunter for decades. David slept in dark valleys. And so when he looks at God, his shepherd, and he says, God, you've been there with me the entire time. You've been pursuing me. You've given me everything I've needed. You've kept me alive. You've kept me safe. You've been there with me this whole time. He knew this, not because he'd read it on a plaque or somebody sent a Facebook meme to him. He knew it from the depths of his own experience. This was the story of his life. And he could say confidently that for, ev for every human in all of your running, in all of your coming and going, in all of your chasing your dreams or just making it to the end of the day, God is there. God cares for you. God comforts you. God wants your company, and you were made to be in his company. And if you believe that truth, that's exactly what will happen for you. You can stop worrying and rest in his goodness and in his faithful love. Uh, some of you know, well, most of you probably know, I think that we got a puppy on Christmas Eve. Um, she was meant to be here, but one of my kids woke up a bit unwell this morning. Um, I took a photo the other day. It's on the screen in a minute, I think. Um, there it is. That's where she was. So I was sitting outside enjoying a nice morning sun, and she's laying there by my feet of all the places she could be in the whole yard. Lots of things. You know how puppies are. They like to stay close uh, to the one that is their master, the one that feeds them. Um, and just so you know, my kids issued a challenge to me that I'm evidently I'm meant to use our dog Sadie in every sermon now for this whole year. We'll see how I go. Um, she's my new sermon mascot. It's hard, it's, you know, when you get a dog, you're like, oh, this is why people started keeping dogs in the first place. There's a lot of things that we do now that you're like, why, who was the first person to think this was a good idea? Like drinking cow's milk. Like, who was the first person that thought, yep, that was a good... Anyway, keeping dogs is a lot more obvious. Um, why um, this is a good idea. You know, and, and dogs, actually, it's interesting thinking about this with Psalm 23. Dogs are good with farm animals, right? They're good with sheep. 
They can fight off attackers. They keep them on the right path. They lead them to the food and to the water. For humans, dogs bring enormous comfort. They can bring emotional support. And maybe, best of all, is knowing that dogs just want to be with us. Isn't that good? All of that is true of dogs. It's a thousand times infinitely more true of God. God wants to be in your company. God cares for you. God comforts us in all of our sorrows, in all of our anxiety. David could have written, the Lord is my Labrador retriever, or whatever breed of dog that is your favorite. He didn't. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And then a thousand years later, Jesus took that same image and he applied it to himself. He said these words, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me. I know my Father. I lay my life down for the sheep. Everything in Psalm 23, see, is about Jesus. David didn't know that when he was writing, but we know that. We know the good shepherd. We know it's Jesus who gives us everything that we need. We know that it's Jesus who renews our life and sustains us every single day. We know that it's Jesus who guides us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He gives us his own righteousness and then his spirit who guides us into all truth. He is the one who is with us in deep darkness. He's the one who comforts. He's the one who sets a table for us, who washes our feet and fills our cup with the blessing of his own blood. He is goodness. He is faithful love. He is pursuing you. He is the one who's preparing a place for you and for anyone who believes in him to go and find rest for their soul. Jesus' words. He was the good shepherd, the good host. He said this. He said, in my father's house, there are what? Many rooms. If I go away to do what? To prepare a table. Prepare a place for you. I will come again. I'll take you to myself so that you may be at my table. That you might be where I am. That's Jesus, the good shepherd, the good host. Friends, this is what you need in 2023 and always. You need God's care. You need God's comfort. You need God's company. And if you are in Christ, you have it. You have him. If you entrust your whole life to Christ, then you have those things, not just for a moment, not just when you're in a hard way, but forever. Rest in his love. I, I want that to be a challenge for us this year, to rest in his love, to rest in the love of the shepherd. We're, we're going to be talking a lot this year about how to build what we call gospel culture and gospel community. How, it, how the gospel, the truth of Jesus, the person of Jesus changes the way we relate to each other, the way we relate to the world. And it all starts from who we are in Jesus, the shepherd. So if this could be a model for us this year, it would be to rest in the shepherd's love and then go love like the shepherd. Rest in the shepherd's love, then go love like the shepherd. First, rest in the shepherd's love. Practically speaking, what might this look like? Well, it's going to be different for different people. But think about what is, what's the first thing you do in a morning, typically? Or what's the last thing you do at night? Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's planning for the next day or reviewing the day that's just gone. Um, what was the first thing you did this morning? 
Um, what if, what if, I know this is uh, going to be groundbreaking for some of us, what if the first thing you did in the morning actually was to listen to the voice of the shepherd by reading his word? What if it was to pray and ask him for the things that you need for that day? Asking him, and even use the words of the psalm, would you lead me to green pastures today? Would you lead me to quiet waters? Whatever that is, would you give me comfort in the dark valley today? What if that was the first thing we did in the morning or the last thing we did at night? Now, you're thinking, well, of course you're going to say that. That's such, you know. But the truth is, they do surveys, right? Surveys of Christians. It's about, usually comes out around one in seven. One in seven Christian people in Australia spend time at least more than once a week in God's Word. More than once a week. Only one in seven. So that is, I'm going, you guys, we're pretty, you're better than average. But like, even if it was one in six, there's still a lot of us, a lot of us that aren't doing it, that aren't engaging in God's Word outside of Sundays. Man, we have so many tools and ways to be able to do that. We have apps, we have audio, we have all kinds of ways we can do it in our cars. We have podcasts. So many ways to be engaging with God's Word. If you want some practical ideas of, you know, read Bible reading plans or, um, or apps that to recommend, love to do that. Love to, to chat with you. Chat with your DG leader, and I'm sure they would point you in good directions as well. One of the best ways to rest in the shepherd's love Maybe this is a bit counterintuitive, but it's actually to spend good quality time with other sheep. With other sheep. Helping each other. That's why we prioritize discipleship groups. Why we prioritize Sunday gathering. Weekly. As often as your work schedule and and health, physical health, allows you to be here. Because when we're together, that's how we find rest. That's how we rest in the shepherd's love. That's how we see Jesus as we love one another, as we bear one another's burdens. It becomes real, doesn't it? It's not just abstraction. It's not just a, a nice platitude, a nice thought. It's real because I've experienced it. I've experienced someone making a meal for me. I've been in your home. You've been in mine. We gather together. We worship next to each other. We've served on a band together or on a coffee team together. Those are ways that might sound a bit daunting, but those are actually ways that we find rest in his love. So let's do that in 2023. The second half of the motto, close with this, is to love like the shepherd. Love like the shepherd. So his love is most often mediated through our love. When Jesus told his disciples that he was the good shepherd, he went on to say this in John 10, 16. He says, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen, and I must bring them also And they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. See, the love of God is not just about me. It certainly is about me. It's about we. And God's definition of we is very expansive. There are men and women out there who one day will be in here. Maybe not in this specific room or in this specific fellowship. But are one of God's chosen men or women, and who is going to tell them that this is their family? Who's going to tell them that Jesus is their Lord, Savior, friend, shepherd, comforter, friend? 
Who's going to tell them this year? Who are we praying for this year? What actual names, actual stories, actual situations that we're practicing hospitality, we're inviting people into our homes, we're caring for people's needs specifically, we're hosting them. See, this is how, these are some ways that we love like the shepherd. It is human to want to have, you know, nice civil relationships with your neighbors. Only followers of the shepherd want more than that. We want neighbors to become family. And the only way we have any energy to do that at all, because some of you are going, oh boy, that just sounds like a lot. I know. The only way we have energy to do that, to do evangelism, to do mission, to do hospitality, to give generously, to serve, is to first find your rest in the shepherd's love for you. Because if you're not resting in his love, then yeah, it is exhausting to think about doing anything, engaging other people, mission. But if you're resting in the shepherd's love, it is his love that compels you, that fuels you, that energizes you to do what he has made you to do. As you come to the table today, his table, the table that he has prepared to, for you, would you ask him to give you that rest, that you might rest in his love this year, that you would have the confidence that David did, that he cares for you, that he is comforter, that he wants your company? Ask him for that this year as you come to the table. That's what the table represents. It is goodness, faithful love, poured out from his veins to his sheep. The cross of Jesus is really what Psalm 23 is all about. While you were still running away, while you were in the dark valley, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Christ, your good shepherd, Christ, your great host, died for you. So let's rest again in his love today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. I pray, Lord God, that as we come to the table today, that you would teach our hearts again to believe that you love us, that you do care for us, that you do comfort us in no matter what we're facing, that you do want to be with us and that we were made to be with you. Thank you that the barrier that we face, the barrier of our sin and guilt and shame, that that barrier was torn in two at the cross, that there is no, more any, there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that if we believe in you, that we can freely come, freely receive. Help us to believe that again for this year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another message from City Light South Church. You can find out more about our church and connect with us at citylightsouth.org.au.